It's your man, Coach English, and I'm in the building with Coach Staley and Coach Kurtz. And in an amazing string that we've been running off some great guests for you. We got another great guest for you today. But as always, we start off our episode just catching up on what the guys have been doing with for the week. And of lately, it's been uh, coronavirus quarantining. So, Josh, how have you quarantined this week? Discipline. Been staying disciplined. Um Grocery store back home, just essential movement, essential traveling. The governor got on the news the other day and said he's going to start opening some things up. I know they're going to do rest. They did what beaches a couple of years ago. Um, now they're going to do restaurants with outside dining, which I'm definitely not going to mess with because um, <laughs> you still got to get served by your waiter. And 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 they're going to um, try to open some things up. But I'm just going to keep taking it easy, man, making sure my kids are getting their schoolwork making sure the kids I teach are um, have everything they need to complete my assignments and just taking it easy and continuing to take advantage of this time. It's crazy because you a lot of people are like, oh, I've been in the house too long. But the longer I've been, I've, I've been in the house, the more I've um, valued this time and, and, and loving this time with my family because we're always gone and always on the run. But everything's been well. Michael, what's been going on with you? Yeah, I, I echo your statements for sure. I mean, we're definitely taking it easy and, and being as safe as possible to try and uh, slow this spread and get back to normal as soon as possible. But so, I mean, uh, spending more time with the family has been unbelievable. And as you guys know, like my baby daughter, Mia, she turns one on Tuesday. So it's been a uh, it's been an eventful few weeks where we've been uh, we've been giving her some gifts early, so it's been cool for sure to be spending time with the family. <laughs> All right, well that's good. That's good. Me, uh, just been dealing, making sure the kids get their work in to the school uh, on time. Uh, been uh, making sure that uh, they're they're fed. <laughs> playing outside and uh, running around i've been walking and exercising and uh i went to the weight room and picked up some of the little uh exercise stuff so been doing that in house and that's really about it man i ain't really been doing much of nothing um so we're gonna we ain't gonna waste no time man we're gonna uh get to our guests uh today um a uh, very good friend of mine i had the opportunity to work with him early in my teaching career because it was never a dull moment with this guy um he's a former nba player uh for the chicago bulls former gamecock 
uh, state. He's also a, a state champion head coach and currently uh, the head coach for Richland Northeast High School. We're talking about the great JoJo English. What's going on, Joe? It's slow motion on my end, man. How you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right, man. How how you been quarantining? Uh, well, I took the first probably two or three weeks to rest and recover from coaching cross country basketball in those eight to eight, eight, to eight days. Um, but mostly I'm reading, um, through, uh, bike riding with my daughter, spending time with her. Cause you know, as a coach, we miss, um, so many of those moments, you know, especially when you have a young student that's in the bed at eight thirty every day mm-hmm. and you're probably coming in about eight fifteen, nine o'clock every day. So just trying to play some catch up time with my daughter. So it's been good, pretty much. And I think I think a lot of coaches have kind of valued, have said the same thing, kind of valued this time that we get because normally we wouldn't get this time with our kids. Um, really, kind of just enjoy them, maybe help them learn, sit down and read a book with them, you know, because we we're usually always on the go. Um, we're gonna go ahead and get started. We we'll start with you, Josh. Oh man, so obviously. Coach, man, you know, I admire you've been looking up to you for a while. You do a tremendous job. I'm not overly excited that we're going to be in the same region next year. <laughs> um, you know, you and Coach Whipple going to be in there next year with us if um, nothing changes after um, all of this goes down. But I guess my first question will would be this. I know you heard, and I'm just going to jump right into the, the meat part. I know you heard what Isaiah Thomas said about Jordan being the fourth best player that he ever played against. What What are your sentiments on that? Uh, I think Isaiah is really speaking from emotional and it's like a personal type level. Um, I, I think that people don't realize that a couple of things about, and, and you can always say the greatest and the best and all that kind of stuff like that. I never kind of equated to that. I just think that Michael is just as good as any player that has ever been out there. I mean, you can, of course, you can say Kareem out of respect for what he's done in college and in the pros and with his unstoppable jump shot and um, Bill Russell as a winner. But the thing with Michael Jordan, I think it's four different versions of Michael Jordan. People don't realize, like, I consider his first, like, six or seven years in the league, he was a different player because his team wasn't really, you know, that good. So he was more so of a scorer, and he had to kind of understand how to play the NBA game. The second phase is when he won that first three, when he broke through the Pistons and won that first three. Then he took 18 months off. Anybody who knows anything about professional sports, um, you know, some of these guys, they take 18 weeks off or 18, you know, days off. They're not the same player. He took 18, you know, months off away from the game, came back, um, set an all-time record for wins with his team, won three more, then took three years off, came back at 39, 40 years old, and averaged 21 points a game in the NBA. To me, I think um, the, the greatest compliment to Michael Jordan, I think when people will see that tonight, is Kobe Bryant. To have a whole human being to try to emulate who you are in your career and the, your mannerisms and the way you play basketball and the way you work out and stuff like that, and then to go into the NBA and win five championships and have the su- success that he has had is monumental for me. It speaks volumes. I think that um, imitation is the greatest form of flattery, but I think his impact and being in the gym and playing and seeing how intense he was about preparation, being the first one in the gym, the first one in the weight room, working the hardest, you know, um, speaks volumes to me on that level. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Coach. I think Isaiah, especially it, how it came after that episode of, of the documentary, when he said that, I do think he was speaking from a place of emotion instead of, like, just keeping it real because obviously they had a, a, a very, very bitter rivalry um, as they competed. Um, 
Michael, what you got for coach? Yeah, no, I mean, I'd love to hear more, more insight on, on that with that whole Isaiah and MJ uh, little drama as, as when you were with MJ, like, I mean, that was when you guys were, had already defeated the Pistons. And, like, did, did you notice anything either from, from Jordan or Isaiah Thomas, like a little bit of extra, like, a little bit of extra uh, uh, turmoil or, or – or, uh, or just uh, animosity between the two because obviously, I mean, all of us, like we've never been in an NBA locker room. We've never played with those type of guys or been a part of those, those teams. And um, I mean, I was young back then. And I mean, uh, Isaiah Thomas, like he can, he can turn the charm on and, and smile for the cameras. And you now, I think it's kind of starting to see like some of the, the inner ter- turmoil or, or animosity that, that they had back then. And I really didn't, I didn't see that when I was young and, uh, and watching it from uh, the media perspective. So like, I mean, obviously like when you were with MJ, like you guys were winning championships and I already beat the Pistons, like, but Isaiah Thomas was still in the league. So when you guys went at each other, uh, and played against each other. Like, did you see any of that, or did MJ let any of that out? Like, where you saw that they really, really don't like each other. Like, legit. Like, you can uh-huh. see from the last episode, MJ still does not like. Uh, MJ still doesn't like Isaiah, and I think even though Isaiah kind of plays it off, you can tell Isaiah doesn't like MJ. Yeah. I, I, well, he was a lot older than when, when I came through. Now, my favorite player um, was still there, Joe Dumas. That's why I used to wear number four in, in high school and college because Joe Dumas was my favorite basketball player back in the day, and he always had a mutual respect. But I think it's personal with uh, Isaiah Lambeer and even Jordan. You don't hear Sally or Rob and none of those other guys talk to that same level because I think, like, people forget this. Like, even before they broke through, they took that 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 Piston team that won the back-to-back championships to seven games without Scotty. Now, I remember Scotty had a had a headache, and they still seven games with that particular Bulls team. It took for the Pistons to beat them, and then the Pistons went on to, to sweep the Lakers. It would have hurt Magic Johnson. That following year, once the Bulls swept them and, and pushed through, that's why I can't understand why you can't give them no no credit in terms of um, you know, you know. You know, being where he has on his on uh, on his list, but I think that it, it's really not a slight because if you listen to um, MJ talk, he always um, refers to Magic and Larry as setting the standard for him to that. That's where he wanted to be at in the league. He wanted his teams to be considered like the Celtics and the and the Lakers. But um, hello, okay, yeah, I think it, it was personal between those because like even with Bill Lambert, I think I think all professional players. Um, and coaches respect teams that really, really compete, but they don't have no respect for teams that might try to injure you. And I think that, like, Bill Beer was borderline trying to injure people. And I think that if he injured some people, Isaiah Thomas would have been right there to pat him on his back. So I right. think that that wears the, the more so the lack of respect comes from because, you know, um, Isaiah just couldn't let it go. I think a large, large part of it, he, him being from Chicago and seeing how Michael took the city away from him basically – you know, but as when, once you get older, there's certain people are just never going to let certain things go. But it's you can tell it's definitely Isaiah might smile for the cameras and stuff for, for that particular nature. But it's real personal, even how, how Scotty um, addressed it a couple of years ago where he said he doesn't respect anything that Isaiah Thomas to say. So that's yeah. going to be something that they probably going to take to the grave with them. 
Hey, no, I mean, that's all. I, I, we're honored to have you on, on here and, and your insight where you, you've been in those locker rooms. And, and you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to, but, I mean, obviously I think it's a, we'd all love to see, like, uh, what your thoughts are. Uh, do you – not two-part question. Do you think that MJ had anything to do with Isaiah not being on the Dream Team? And, B, do you think – do you personally feel like Isaiah – should have been part of the dream team. Uh, I think he he could, he has what they call a plausible denial. <laughs> where like you know where the where the 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 powers that be might bring to you like you know hey coaching is we putting together this dream team and if we put such and such such and such such and such players on this team would you play? And then he might say no. And then a the guy might say okay well if we put such and such such and such John Stockton would you play? Then he might be like yeah. <laughs> but I don't believe he went in there saying I, I think it was already understood to a certain degree that that the, the blood was so bad between those two teams that it, it wouldn't function properly. You, you know what I mean? So I, I don't That's think it was much. I don't think it was a big, like, super, like, trying to force. Because, you know, think about it now. Uh, Shaq wasn't on that team. And Akeem Olajuwon was not, you know, uh, American citizen at that particular time. And those those guys should have probably been on that set of Christian Leitner. And yeah, Isaiah could have could not have been on that team. But I don't think that they really needed him. If you were trying to put together all of the, quote, unquote, best players, yeah then he would be included. But if you're trying to put together, you know, the best team, then he wouldn't fit in that because the chemistry wouldn't just wouldn't work. Because like I say, the, the, the personal battles that they had, it, uh, you know, with the Pistons and Bulls was so, because I think it, it went past like just sportsmanship to like, you know, we all as coaches, we love to compete and have our kids fight and do whatever, but we never want to see, you know, a kid on the other team get hurt or, or, or another coach have bad fortune. But, I think it got to the point with especially Lambeer and um, Isaiah that they really didn't care because they were not going to give up their throne no no matter what. And they did whatever they could to try to protect it. No, I think, I think that's a great point right there for sure. For sure. Yeah. Maybe, maybe from a talent-wise, he deserved to be on, but uh, from chemistry, he didn't. And, and yeah, I like what your point where Jordan you, – you, Jordan probably didn't come out and say, yo, I – I'm not on the team if Isaiah Thomas plays, but he, it, it, it was kind of a roundabout way. And honestly, I'll make I'll make the unpopular um, comment. I think Isaiah messed himself up because it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Like, like if Jordan gives you props when y'all beat him and for y'all to walk off the court and not even acknowledge that, you know, hey, the torch has been passed, I think that had a lot to do with it. Like you said, chemistry is everything. And that was a prime example of what we are taught to teach our young players, have character, have integrity, you know, win with integrity, accept defeat with, in, with, with integrity in class. So Yeah, but, but, but I got to disagree with you a little bit on that, Coach Daly. Like, obviously, yeah, that's where we're at right now, and that's what we're teaching those kids, and that's what we want. We want all of our kids. But, like, if you go back and look at um, when, the, when they beat the Celtics, like the Celtics didn't shake their hands, and uh, – and you kind of, like, they got into that a little bit. Like, uh, the only way Mikhail shook Thomas's hand was Thomas ran up to him and grabbed him and shook his hand as they were walking off. So, I mean, I kind of feel like it was different back then. Like, when you lost in those games, like, you really didn't shake hands. Like, it was just a different culture. So, I mean, and honestly, like, I'm, I'm 100% with, like I'm a Jordan guy, as you guys know, and and I've I've been all even with this show. Like I'm 100% like everything that's been with the Bulls and with Jordan. Like I've been I've been like I think that he that he did it right. Um, 
with uh, and even having a little bit of a slight towards Isaiah Thomas, like as Coach English said, they were trying to injure him. But like, I feel like the whole like walking off the court without shaking hands, like I feel like it was kind of different back then where they, they didn't really do that. And so now it's just because that's what's expected nowadays, 20 years later, 25, 30 years later, like now that that's what's like commonplace that you are supposed to do that, like it's kind of getting blown out of portion because I don't think the Celtics did shake hands with the Pistons when they lost to them. And, and they're getting, yeah, I mean, they're getting I agree. But I, I, I think all of them were still wrong. Like, I agree. Yeah, it was different. But just because things were different in a certain culture doesn't necessarily mean it was right. So yeah, I get yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with you. But do you, you think the Celtics are getting a pass? Yeah. Hey, Mike, to jump in, to pick, to jump in on that, I think it was different. It goes back to what I was saying. Like, um, Bird, Paris, like when Larry Bird spoke the other day about um, Robert Paris already, always having a twisted ankle when he played against Lambeer and the Pistons because he said Lambeer always tried to step under his feet so he could land on his feet. So even when you see the hard fouls that Lambeer took on took on Bird, the ones he took on Parrish, the ones he took on McHale, I think it got to a point where, like, they didn't have no respect for the way the Pistons played basketball. And it translated on to the Knicks now because you didn't have that problem back in the day, even with the 76ers when Moses Malone, Andrew Toney, Mo Cheeks, uh, Dr. J won. When they finally broke through the the Celtics and the um, the Pistons to win the championship, they got respect. It's just that I don't think anybody really had respect for the Pistons, and and I think the way they did it to the Bulls wasn't so much. It was so much like, and they got swept, you know, mind you. So yeah. it was more so like, you know, emotion. You know, I, I think that yeah, it's emotion. They won their two championships. They figured that that was the farthest they could go. You know, and just and then it was what seven seconds on the clock, so it wasn't like the horn blew and then you know they passed each other. So I think the Pistons did it totally different because there were like seven eight seconds still on the game clock, and they walking off the floor to the to the locker room as just a, a show of like like no respect. You know, you know what I mean. And I, I think the Celtics didn't shake their hand for obvious reasons. If you look back at some of those battles and some of the cheap shots that you know Lambeer took on Bird and McHale and Parrish, and even on Danny Ainge, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. I think it was more so probably it, it's probably best they didn't come together or, or it probably been some more fights. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's a good point right there. I, I, no, I respect right. that. Coach E, what you got, man? I know you got something. What you got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first off, I want a, 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 a closet thing. I've never said uh, at all in any of the conversations I've ever had with Joe. Uh, growing up, well, well, when you were in the NBA, I was I think I was in the 10th grade when I noticed you, I became a English fan because my last name was English and that was the first jersey I saw with my name on it. So I used to cheer for you all the time. So that was my that was my thing. Um but uh more so than anything else, um you've you've been able to coach high school and college. Right, so what do you see as the as as one of the differences? Um and I know we're kind of changing gears here from the NBA uh, uh talk, but what do you think was um what is one of the major differences or a, a few major differences between coaching college kids and and coaching high school kids? Uh well well I mean I, I was blessed to be at one of the biggest high schools in um South Carolina at, at Sumter at the time. I think it was a fourth largest high school, so it's a different dynamic. And when I went to Catawba, it was a D2 situation. I was associate head coach. Now, the, the basketball is relative, you know. I mean, you're playing against probably better, like, instead of one or two good players on the on the court, you got probably seven, eight, or nine. And, you know, you, different teams run different systems and stuff like that. But, you know, in terms of the college level, it, the, you know, the recruiting, going out 
and um, going to these different high school gyms, developing a relationship with these coaches and all that kind of stuff. And when I first got there, I was kind of stubborn. I was like, I could just, I could take the kids who really want to be here and win. Mm-hmm. And which, and which we did, you know what I mean? And I think the biggest thing, it, 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 it just took so much time, you know, like, you know, as high school coaches, we have our weekends um, in the off season and stuff like that. We have our summers, you know, to develop our kids and in college, it's not like that. It's just to recruit and get on the road, especially at the D2 level. And the D1 level is totally different. So I can't really speak from that perspective. Now with the basketball, I, um, I did the same thing at that level I did. You know, a lot of my playing career when I had to do scout team stuff or when I worked at the University of South Carolina or a lot of the stuff I do now as a head coach, when you look at a team, you're getting ready to play, you know, what are their tendencies, their best players, how they get their shots off, the system the coach likes to run, you know, and all that kind of stuff and, 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 and scouting and, and um, putting your players in the, 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 the best situation to be. But I, I had hands on everything in the preseason conditioning program, um, the way we practiced individual workouts and all that kind of stuff like that. The the for example the Damani Applewhite kid that's at South Carolina State who's all conference and stuff we actually recruited him at Catawba uh, we didn't take him because we didn't have a, enough money because in D two it's, it's it's a little bit different where you know you you know they first they start off with how much scholarship money you qualify for and then you know they don't pay for everything they pay for like books um, tuition and um, room and board or my they don't pay for books you have to pay for your own books. So, for example, you know, we recruiting Coach Staley, you know, and he comes to, to Catawba and we look at, you know, the money he's getting. It costs $39,000 to go to Catawba. So he might get fifteen, eighteen thousand $18,000 in scholarship money. So the school mm-hmm. may give you, you know, I don't know, ten, fifteen. So you have to make up the other, you know, eight or nine yourself. Um, you know, it's quote-unquote like a partial scholarship. So, you know, at the D2 level, you got to kind of piece together money. I mean, it was aggravating getting so many highlight tapes and game films from kids. Like, I get probably 20 emails a day from kids all over. And, and then, you know, you're in the hotbed of, of high school basketball in North Carolina. So it was it was great a great learning lesson for me because I had a chance to sit at our team camp. You know, we had um, 100-plus teams come through for three days and another 90-some come through for another three days. So you see the different type of basketball we have a – an elite camp on a Saturday, we have 110 kids and have another elite camp on that Sunday. We have 111 kids, you know, all just trying to get a look. And out of those 200 something kids that we've seen, it's probably three of them that we would give a scholarship to, you know? So, um, I think the biggest, the biggest difference is like, but on the college level in terms of synergy and scouting and all that stuff is a lot, in, a lot easier, but the, the, the level of talent, um, and the, the, the depth of talent on a team and on teams, um, are a, a lot different on the, the collegiate level than it is on the high school level. Okay. Um, so kind of to to go, uh, my, my next question was um, your did, – did did that give you a way, like being at Catawba as, as involved as you was, did it give you a way kind of to teach your kids about recruiting a little bit? It gave you a different look at recruiting as far as a high school coach is concerned, help you get your kids recruited? Yeah. Because you said, like, kids, yeah, yeah, kids because, are sending, like you said, because yeah, um, I heard a college coach tell me one time, uh, half, t- half the time we don't even watch the videos that are sent to us by parents and kids. Um, so, no. so like, did that help you kind of be able to educate your parents and kids about recruiting? Yeah, because a lot of that stuff is, you know, highlights when a kid, get somebody throw them a pass and they make a shot, throw them up and make a shot. You don't see how they play in the floor of the game. And I tell my parents and I tell everybody to this day, the best way we can get you recruited is to play against kids that are being really recruited. You know, like, you know, uh, Josh got a couple of kids at, at AC Floor 
you know, um, that are being recruited. Had a kid just signed to go to the University of South Carolina. Have another young kid, McCray, coming up, you know, who's being recruited. And those colleges want to see how you perform against those kids who, like, are already getting scholarship offers. You can send all the highlight, all the workout takes you want, you know, but a, a chair don't chair don't move and play D doesn't box out <laughs> and a, a lot of a lot of the recruiting comes about you know with with the coaches talking to each other so i might call coach daly I, I might be from east carolina or tennessee like hey man what's going on we interested in your player is there anybody else you think we should be looking at you understand what i'm saying and you know it, it goes like that on top of actually being on campus going to a lot of the elite camps mm. and, and and really just being a really good basketball player they're they're going to find you if you really can play and you're a good basketball player it's the ones that are maybe borderline because it's not a it's not a big difference in talent level in like a Queens or LMU or like at a South Carolina State or like those lower level some of those lower level D one yeah. teams. Those players are really about the same. It's just like one or two might have had a better break because you know it might be academics or they might have some type of personal issue or you know or something that that might have bumped them down. You know if you if you're good enough to play at Tennessee, then you're good enough to play usually at South Carolina, Wake Forest, all those other kind of schools. But, you know, the, the biggest thing we find out that a lot of these kids have unrealistic expectations. Some of them are not really good high school players. And their <laughs> parents think that they just passing out scholarships like, okay, you know, your kid um, averaged 15 points a game, you know, at, at Northeast, you should get a college scholarship. And it doesn't work like that. You might get a, a JUCO D1, and people don't realize there's different levels of JUCO. It's D1, JUCO, D2, D3. You know, um, um, in terms of level of basketball, so you 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 may be compromising your 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 academics and your future to go to a lower level college just to, you know, play basketball. You know what I mean? Because it's just not that many scholarships out there. You know, for for every, you know, quote unquote good high school basketball player. You didn't you you know and and and, and like we are we are aware. My, my main job, like being in Catawba, is 135 miles here, so. I had mostly of South, most of South Carolina, the upper part of North Carolina, and a little bit of Georgia. So I used to go to the JUCO tournaments. I used to go to the bigger AAU tournaments, you know, because they always follow the teams with the better players, you know, per se. You know, you know, it's almost like a steer step. Yeah, of course, you know, these, these South Carolina guys got to get their guys. And after that, the East Carolinas and East Tennessee States got to get their guys and the Walkers and the Winthrops. It's, it's kind of like, okay, well, who's left over after that? But, you know, a lot of these kids mess up when you have, like, a Frank Martin coming in your house and say, you know what, I want to offer you a scholarship to come play for us. And the first thing you do is go and quit. Hey, I got an offer from – that does never make sense to me. You have to know some kind of way deep down in your heart where you want to go. And the best place for these, a lot of these kids to go is, like, not go someplace where you love, but go someplace where, where you are loved. You know what I mean? And and when those head coaches make an uh, – uh, 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 an attempt to come down to your 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 gym or your city, your home to see you play, then that 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 should that should speak volumes. Opposed to you know maybe one of the assistant coaches coming to you, talking to you all the time, and, and yeah man, I'm offering you a scholarship. Sometimes these kids don't understand the difference between a, a real offer or a fake offer mm-hmm. because you know when I when I was there, my I, I started I started late in Catawba my first year. I started in October, so well we went like 11 and 18. The next year we won 18 games. The first uh, time in eight years they had a winning record, but a lot of these kids like will pass up on guaranteed offers. So if I come in, I say, "Hey, English, I'm offering you scholarship to come to the top of man." You sitting here like, "Okay, well, I think about it." And then you know, in back door, we we checking on Staley. Staley don't have the you know he might be that diamond in the rough, and he said he gonna take the scholarship. And then after USC or whoever you waiting on pass you up, 
and you come back, you're not really interested. We move on to the next player because it's not it's not no short shortage of basketball talent out there, especially guards, dime a dozen. You know, uh, the talent people people forget like there's so many other really great basketball players in North Carolina and Georgia and Florida and Alabama and Virginia and you know and and some of these these parents and high school players. You know, like I told a lot of my kids, I said, it's a difference between playing basketball and being a basketball player. You know, if you play basketball, the only time you're going to play basketball is when the coach calls practice. That's the only time you're going to be inside of a gym is when the coach said, we have practice today, tomorrow, whatever, or workouts. That's the only time. The ones that are really basketball players are the ones that, that invest in their games, invest in their weakness, try to get better, try to get in that, stay in that weight room, stay conditioned, stay working on, um, you know, their game, and they never, ever think that they, you know, are really good, so. That's the main thing I would tell, like, parents and high school kids is, you know, you have to work to the point where, like, you feel like you're not good enough. Uh, Josh? Yeah, I think I think that's what a lot of parents mess up. They, they really don't understand that scholarships aren't guaranteed. Like you said, a kid can average 15 a game. Like, oh, they had a great season. They made all region. Heck, they might have even made all state. That doesn't necessarily mean that college coach is going to like you. And I think what you said – carry so much weight, go where you love, not the school that you think you love. Because if you go to the people that really want you, them head coaches are coming in there, they're recruiting you, you really need to um, nail down and really focus on that. That's why I'm not big on kids posting. I want to thank God for my 14th offer, you know, and, and this and that. Because like, if you really not trying to figure out what that school has to offer, what that um, coach's philosophy is and what they, how they want to use you, you're really just wasting time. So I really, really think that's huge. I got one more question for you, coach, and then I'm a, um, I guess I'm going to leave you alone after that. What is your fondest memory from playing and then your fondest memory as, as a coach? Oh, man. Wow. Um, my fondest memory of playing, I would, it would definitely have to start in, uh, my high school career and, um, being that, you know, we were a nationally ranked high school team. My junior year, actually, we were ranked 13th in the nation, you know, back in the day, they had a USA Today, um, poll and stuff like that. And to be able to travel, um, you know, that summer, um, um, going, being able to go to Arkansas to different, um, team camps, um, going to Kissimmee, Florida to, uh, Christmas tournaments, and then transitioning um, to my, my senior year, we had a chance. I had a chance to go to the Nike ABCD camp in um, New uh, Princeton at Princeton in New Jersey, where it was the top sixty um, in the in the nation that were invited there. I would say, um, and then our battles we had with um, Eau Claire in the Coliseum and playing against uh, Everett Sullivan and those those guys at Hillcrest Simpsonville um, were memories that I probably would never ever forget. On top of being able to play at home. And, um, you know, not only winning state championships in the frame of win arena, but having great college memories there. Also, um, in terms of coaching, I think, uh, you know, finally breaking through and getting the opportunity to be a head coach because of, um, you know, I spent six years as a, 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 a an assistant coach at Lower Richland. You know, back then it was, you know, the politics. You had to be certified <laughs> to be this and do that and all that kind of stuff. And I just got pissed off with, like, I'm never going to be nobody's assistant coach again. I think I don't think that I'm the best. No, I'm never saying that, but I think I'm just as good as this guy, that guy, that guy. And then when I went to the the master's program um, in Scotch Branch, and it's all because of Titus Durham actually called me out of the blue because his his whole dream was to get me to be the head coach at Lower Richland at a particular time. 
And I was down there going through the master's program. It was a three-year program. I was almost finishing almost a year and a few months when something called out of the blue and was wondering why I didn't apply. And I was like, well, I thought you was looking for, you know, uh, um, a teacher and all this kind of stuff. Y'all big high school. I didn't think I would be good enough. And they put me on a short list and I, I got the job and I said, I'm going to prove you, you know, correct. And I won a state championship my second year there. I think that was the biggest accomplishment for me. And I, and I, I wear that state championship ring <clears throat> um, for two reasons every single day. Not because necessarily I won the state championship as a coach. That That's for the kids. You know, I've, I've already, you know, did that. I already had my success as a player. I said, for two reasons, my mom and dad are from something. My grandparents are buried in something. So that's what makes it even special for me. And and it, it, it it's a reminder of, of me being able to do something that somebody said I couldn't do. Because I always kept that letter that I got from mom, Laura Riston, when they couldn't even interview me um, when I was working at a particular time. They, they couldn't even talk to me about the head coaching job and send me a letter. And I kept that letter. And I, I actually... I had that letter in my back pocket when I coached the state championship game. And I use wow. that as motivation. I tell my I tell my kids that also, don't ever let nobody tell you what you can't do. If you really believe in yourself and you know that you put in the time and you you know you know that 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 you have the talent, but you also has the you have the work ethic to um to match it. So I think that that's the most special thing to me because, you know, it wasn't so much that you know, I couldn't coach. It's just the opportunity I got. And actually, the first head coaching opportunity I got was, you know, um, at Scotch Branch when um, Coach Cookie Core got killed in a car accident on that day when I was just helping him out, you know, throughout the year. And um, I'm sitting in the gym with her because she was a transportation director. So she had to drive the JV, JV um, team to uh, East Clarendon. And she was going to leave East Clarendon and go see her son play at Mars College. And I'm looking at her in the gym at 5.30, and she walked across the floor, looked back at me and said, you got it, coach? And I said, yeah, I got it. Just go on about your business, cookie. I got it. And then 8 o'clock that night, she's dead. So I had to finish um, the season. I think we had four more games in the regular season, you know, at Scotch Branch, a real small school. It's 200 between the middle school and high school in one building. So I had a very different dynamic in my first um, coaching experience and having, you know, 25 girls come to me, boo-hoo crying, and I'm trying to figure out how to coach them and finish out the year, which we finished third and we went to the playoffs. But, you know, those type memories and stuff like that and the and the young people you come across and, you know, and, you know, they, they might think you mean Coach JoJo right now, but then years later they come back to you and say, you know what, you saved my life through some of the life lessons that you, you gave me as a coach. I think that's the most um, – one of the most powerful things that I can um, attest to as being a, a coach. No doubt, no doubt. That's big time. Um, Coach E, you got something? Well, I was going to go to Micah first, and then we come back. Nah, this was awesome. It was an honor to be on here with you, Coach English, for sure. It's great insight for, on every level, from from the pro to the college to the high school level. So it's definitely appreciate you coming out. Yeah. All right. So appreciate you, sir. We're going to get into that to that question for you, Joe. Um, every guest that comes on has to uh, has to get that question. Now, well, before we get there, I thought it was a crime, a, a crying line shame that uh, when Coach Atkins was on his way out, they did not give you the job after the job you had did with that JV team, the way those boys looked up to you. Um, it was just I, I, I was I, I was like, are they seriously not going to hire this dude? <laughs> like, I just don't see why they wouldn't do it. But so um, – uh, I've definitely missed those days. We had a good bit of fun. But anyway, uh, there's some stories there. Uh, the The question is, um, the uh, what five would you pick to beat our ultimate five? And that's uh, Magic Johnson, Larry, uh, I'm sorry, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, uh, Kobe Bryant, Kobe. LeBron James, and Shaq. 
Okay. I, um, Joe Dumas is going to be my, on the outside, but to match up with them, I picked uh, Penny Hardaway, um, hmm. Grant, Grant Hill, Scotty Pippen. I put Larry Bird at the four, and I got Akeem Olajuwon because Shaq, I mean, he swept Shaq and beat Shaq. I put Bird at the four because, you know, he's just a smart player, and he might be matched up with LeBron, but LeBron doesn't really have a jump shot, so I think Larry could play angles on him. <laughs> uh, I got Pippen and Grant um, to match up with Scotty and Kobe. They, they both are going to, you know, Kobe and Mike are going to get their shots and stuff, but if you look at that Orlando series where – um, the the second time they the the Bulls swept them, the only reason they swept them is because Orlando kept going to Shaq. So what the Bulls do? They had Dennis Rodman foul and had Luke Longley foul and had Luke. Long but Penny Hardaway was averaging thirty seven points a game. He was very difficult for them to guard. And Grant Hill was a monster back in the day. People just don't realize, uh, you know, him being able to get to the basket at will. Yeah, and he's a, almost like a walking triple double. So the athleticism to match up with all those guys because of the height. Now, my, I, I was going to stick Joe Dumas in there for one of the players, but I said, you know, let me go with the, the, the guys that height-wise can match up with them um, defensively, but also offensively will make them have to, you know, get sweaty and have to focus and, <laughs> and try to stop them also. That, that's got to be a top five answer. What y'all think? I like yeah. it. That, that team that's, is that's long and athletic for sure. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go ahead and, and start to get on out of here. Um Joe, uh, any shout outs you want to give and uh, give people your your uh, social media handle so they can go ahead and follow you? Uh, well, I don't know my social media handles by follow <laughs> by, by heart. I think most of them are either gonna be either gonna be for JoJo or JoJo English Four. I know that much. Um, on Twitter, on Twitter and Instagram, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't. I'm new to all this social media game. To be quite honest with you, this is my second Zoom meeting over the break. We had one uh, with Dr. Suber and the crew about um, building the stadium on the campus and stuff like that. So I'm still working on my technological skills. But I appreciate you all. You know, Coach Dale, I got mad respect for you, man. Um, watching you coach even down in Orangeburg with the girls and, and you giving me an opportunity to scrimmage um, against that team you had with the with the young young boys. Those bulls you had back in the day, um, Mike. I seen you from afar, man, and I know why those AC Florida teams have been good. I got so much respect. I've been kind of stealing stuff you've been doing on the strength <laughs> and conditioning mode from afar, man. I, I used to love you posting them workouts because I used to steal them and add um, stuff like that to to the things I do with my kids and coaching. As you know how far we go back, man, to those um, Friday steak dinners at <laughs> LR where I used to cook them behind the band room and stuff like that with the big beans. <laughs> And baked potatoes and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah! Man. So, oh yeah! Nah, I just, just got respect for all you guys and what you do for kids and what you do in the profession, man. And um, I appreciate you allowing me into your podcast family. No, you the man. You the man. We appreciate you being on here, and that that means a lot coming from you. All all of those uh, those good words, because you know we respect you to the fullest. You've been you've been you've been where all of our kids want to go. So for sure, appreciate that and. Uh, um, definitely uh, anytime you want to come back on. This was an awesome podcast, so appreciate you having having us on. It was awesome how you said you don't uh, you don't really know your social media handles, but if you guys want to check out some crazy social media, go check out Coach uh, Youssef English's uh, 
<laughs> or Instagram, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a, a wild he's a, he's a, he's a, that's, he, that's not that's not PG thirteen. Hey, my bad yeah, man. He's a, he's a relationship expert too, right? Hey. Yeah. <laughs> my bad man. The kid, my kids, uh, my kids got the fighting just now. My fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my fault. Talking about your relationship uh, on uh, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, my man. Shout outs, man. Um, again, Coach English, man. Jojo coming on. Like I said earlier, I many you one of the coaches I look people like to be prideful in competition, but I watch and I learn. Like that when you won the state championship that year, I ain't gonna lie. I was like, yo, that. That's because at that point I probably have been there about four or five times and lost it. And in the way you just approached it and went into that thing. And I didn't expect you to leave something. I was like, this man about to round off about five or six state championships in the next 10 years, because, you know, he had been ultimately you went and took a college job, but I appreciate it because, um, and I, and I say this heavily, like, I mean this when I say it, cause I don't say this about anyone. Like if I, not, if you're still coaching high school and I'm not coaching high school by the time my sons get there, you're one of the coaches I would allow my sons to play for. You know, not because you went to the NBA or you played with Jordan. For one reason, you're going to be honest with them. And when you're honest with kids, that's how you get the most out of them. And um, I would definitely let my sons play for you um, if I'm if I'm not coaching. So I really admire you, really respect you, appreciate you coming on. And I um, appreciate your, your, your words that you gave us, man. And I haven't done this in a while. Shout out to my Redskins. I think they had one of the best drafts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got my boy Chase Young. A lot of people are still doubting us. It's like, oh, yeah, quarterback. We don't have no quarterback. I believe in Haskins. But if we mess around and sign Cam Newton, if we sign Cam Newton, y'all not going to like me for a long time because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be ignorant. I'm going to be ignorant. And, you know, shout out to my Skins, man. But everybody, again, we're still going through this pandemic. I know some places are starting to open up, but please be careful because as soon as they opened up Atlanta, they, a thousand new cases popped up. So um, please be careful, man. Um, take care of your family. Value this time and um, be safe. Coach E, go ahead, Papa. All right. Uh, first off, uh, Joe, thanks for being on. I appreciate you uh, taking some time to come on, man, and, and be with us. Um, uh, next, uh, first off, I want to say uh, Joe caught me at a uh, – at a uh, at a coach's clinic and said, when I'm going to be on the Staley English and Kurt show? Because everybody else done been on, and I ain't been on yet, and I thought we was cool. I said, I got you, man. I got you, man. I got you. <laughs> uh, uh, next thing, um, I, I've, I've – and I, I can't heap enough praises on you for coach the, the way you coach because every single – I've watched you coach JV teams at LR. I watched you at Sumter and now at Northeast and um, – the kids have always played the same. Your philosophy rings true everywhere you've been. Um, and you can see it in the way the kids play. For The kids are playing the same way all of the time. Um, and, and I really, really enjoy watching you guys play. And I remember we had the uh, uh, the SC Elite Camp. And they told Jojo, Jojo, everybody's got to be subbed in every five, every, five, every five minutes or something. Jojo said... I'm winning these games. I don't know what y'all saying. Some of these boys don't even belong here, so I'm not subbing them. <laughs> well, no, no, not to piggyback that. I, 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 like I tell the kids, I coach in the program. I tell the kids, I, I, I don't, you know, I would never sell my soul to Delta Town. I tell kids, you can't cheat the game. So yeah, we supposed to sub every five minutes, but if you're not playing hard, you're not playing D. I'm not gonna put you back in there. Yeah, I would be doing you a disservice. I, 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 that's just a standard I have as a as a coach. I hold my kids accountable. 
And the only thing I want you to do is like, because I tell in the kids in the program that I coach PJ and, and Jermaine Kusar and all those guys said, listen to me, there are people in this building that are seeing you play for the very first time. And some of them are seeing you play for the very last time. What are they going to say when they get in the car about the way you played the game of basketball? What type of impression are you going to, plus there's some little kids here watching you play and you owe them to give them a, a, a great example of how to go out there and approach the game. You know what I mean? So I just, I'm, I'm not a big, proponent of just letting kids go out there and play any kind of way and you know I don't I don't even I don't even like coaching in those type situations. I just want you to at least do your best and at least compete. So I, I had one parent get mad at me at the little league camp because I was letting <laughs> Russell Jones shoot all the basketball. And he was he came down the stands and he T- took his son out during the game. And it was like, how you gonna tell him to shoot the basketball? Are you gonna let my son shoot? I said, well, because he's going division one next year. And your your kid is here trying to get a look. So, I mean, he's going to be shooting the ball, and, and I'm the coach. And then we, we were not, it's a crazy story because we were down seven at this particular time. We were at um, uh, CIU up there. Yeah. And we were down seven at the time. So, the dad came down and took his kid off the team, won his $50 backs or whatever it may be. And I put um, Amir Cherry, who's on my team, on my team. And we ended up winning the game by 27. <laughs> you know, and all the people on our kids. And, I, and, I, and that was a life lesson for the kids on the team because we only had seven kids. Yeah. And I said, see, see, the, it, it's a bigger difference when you have a good team opposed to a bunch of good players mm-hmm. because you play oh, yeah. different, you know, and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's you, you you know, that's that's how my philosophy has been since the, the day I've, I've started coaching, man, and I'm not going to compromise that. At all, yeah, man. So yeah. we definitely appreciate you, man. And as always, you can uh, email the show at staleyenglishkurtz at gmail dot com, and you can follow us on all social media platforms at Staley English Kurtz. Until uh, next time, it's Josh, Coach Kurtz, and myself, Coach English, and we are out. Keep God first. Everything else to follow. Peace. Appreciate y'all. Be safe, man. Yep, yep. You yeah, too, you Jojo. You man. Appreciate you being on. All right, and I do got my Twitter handle. It's at 4JojoEnglish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. <laughs> All right.